Y'all give it up for Ruth. She's going to read scripture today. Uh, and before she does, just um, a couple more things. I'm still trying to recover from that plank, y'all. Yeah. Pray for me. Um, but not only do we have, obviously, fitness day coming uh, January 11th, once again, I do encourage you all to come out. Um, I do know the struggle um, in just trying to, to lose weight and to get fit. Uh, many of you know just uh, a little bit over a year ago, I lost 50 pounds. Um, and incredibly grateful, yep. And prayed and prayed. I, I, I fell off the bike, got back on the bike, fell off the bike, got back on the bike. Um, but it's never too late, and as Sharon said, you do feel much better. Um, and the Lord wants us to take care of our bodies, amen. Um, and what better way to do that than with community, amen, to encourage one another. Um, also, one of the things that is very dear uh, to my heart is, is marriage, um, and we want to encourage marriages uh, because we know marriage can be difficult. We know marriage can be tough. If you've been married long enough, you know that it is not always roses and sunshine. Um, and so as a church, we want to do our part best we can to come and encourage healthy marriages. And so on January 19th, we'll be preaching about marriage. And then afterwards, we will have a workshop. Um, and so we need to know who's coming, how many people are coming. Um, and so if you're married, I just encourage you to come no matter where you are. I think that you're going to get some helpful tips. There's going to be a table in the lobby afterwards where you can sign up. And you, Demita and Will will be running that table. Y'all just wave y'all hands really fast. Will and Demita Jones, they'll be at that table so you can sign up for that. Yep, yep, yep. Come on. Come on. Y'all give it up for marriages in the room. Come on. Some of y'all was clapping a little slow, I see. I've been watching, I'm watching. No, I'm just playing. Uh, but anyways, no, after service, please say her about that. Anybody ready for the word of God this morning? Yeah. Hey, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. Ruth, you ready? Oh, you probably need this, don't you? <laughs> Good morning. We will be reading in Romans chapter 11, verse 36. I'll read it in English first and then in Spanish. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Romanos 11.36 Porque de él y por él y para él son todas las cosas. A él sea la gloria por los siglos. Amen. And the church said, Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We pray that you would be in this place. We know where your people are, so are you. And so would you move in wonderful and magnificent ways. Would you use your word, authoritative divine word, to cut us where we need to be cut and change us where we need to be changed. Please do not leave us the same. We want to look like Jesus all the more when we leave this place. Father, we have not gathered to be more religious. We have not come because this is a cute thing to do, but we have come to hear from heaven and to hear what you have for our hearts and our souls. And would you use your preacher this morning to preach your word with authority and with power and with fire. I ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, in the opening scenes of the first Home Alone, there is a little boy that lives across the street from Kevin. Anybody remember his name? Y'all got to watch more Home Alone around here. 
Mitch Murphy. Mitch Murphy. This young man comes from across the street to talk to the van driver before Kevin's family leaves for France. The boy is full of questions, and most of the questions had to do with how or when or where. The young boy seems to be searching for meaning. The van dude becomes very irritated and sends Mr. Mitchell away, but little did he know Mitchell didn't leave. Instead, Mitchell started rummaging through the belongings of Kevin's family, and oops, he accidentally gets counted as Kevin, and what happens? Kevin gets left home alone. And if we are honest this morning, we are all like little Mitch Murphy. We, we all are full of our own questions. Who will win the Super Bowl? Will I ever become a millionaire? Did Tommy from Martin really have a job? I was wondering. You ain't got no job, man. How did Chris Farrell get all those muscles? How much is one rib? Who killed Ghost? I oh, see y'all want to act like y'all don't know what I'm. Y'all gonna act like y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Who truly makes better phones, iPhone or Android? Some of y'all, y'all iPhone people need to show up at the fast, all right? It's Android, man. Sorry, sorry, Keith, sorry. But there are universal questions we all have. Do I have a fundamental purpose? Why was I created? Am I for something? Does my life have significance? Does my life count for anything as part of the greater whole? Do I have value? Is my life worth anything overall? Is it better to live than not? Is the world a better place for having my life as part of it? We all have a Murphy Mitch inside of us. There lies within the human heart not only a desire to understand the larger purpose of life, but to some sense, my place in part of it. We want something that brings cohesion to the apparently shattered fragments of life and society and history and uncertainties of the future. Is there anybody in the room that got questions? One thing that explains everything is what we're searching for. What can give me answers? What can help me to understand why we exist? What is the centerpiece to everything? This is the same conversation that Mufasa has with Simba. Now, come on, if you know your Lion King in the room. I knew the kids would be here today. This is the same conversation that Mufasa has with Simba. Here's Mufasa, y'all. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. As king, you need to understand that balance and respect all the creatures from the crawling ant to the leaping antelope. And here's Simba. But dead, don't we eat the antelope? Mufasa, 
Yes, Simba, but let me explain. They should have left this a cartoon, by the way. Yes, Simba, but let me explain. When we die, our bodies become the grass, and the antelope eat the grass, and so we are all connected in the great circle of Come on, somebody. I'm going to preach this morning. The circle of life. Friends, today, Paul wants to have a Mufasa and Simba moment with us. Paul wants to pause for a moment and to explain to us the delicate balance of life. Paul wants to explain to us the meaning and the purpose and how everything comes together. Here in Romans 11, closing after his deep theological exposition of the gospel, breaking it down in a way that we can both understand and rejoice. Paul pauses from being theological and he jumps into being dox, uh, doxological. Paul wants to praise God because as I said before, God will not just be studied, but God will be worshipped. And if you're seeing him rightly, you just can't study him because when his face comes off the pages of scripture, you can't help but to get, have you ever been studying your word so deeply and so truly I'm not talking about when you just rub up against the Bible. I'm talking about when you pause and you swim in the Bible and you thought that you was just getting some head knowledge and out of nowhere, the face of God hops off of scripture and you find yourself worshiping. You find yourself praising because he's just that good. Paul wants to have a Mufasa and Simba moment with us. Here it is. This is the way that it reads. And I hope it hits you the way that it hit me. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory sometimes. No, that's not what he says. To him be glory part-time. That's not what he said. To him be glory forever. Amen. That's a little poetic, isn't it? Three clauses, all with the same subject, him. And who is that? The God of the Bible. The God who is God today and always will be the one true most high God. That is the him. Three different prepositions describing all things and how all things relate to God and to and he to them. From, through, and to. From, through, and to. Let's say that together. From, through, and to. From him are all things. Through him are all things, and to him are all things. And I can sit down because that preaches all by itself. From, through, and to. And what are they describing? They are telling the story, the true one, the story of his glory. Where did everything come from? From, come on kids. Angie teaching something right back there. Come on, somebody. From him, God, the creator. I think that is a great question. Where did everything come from? As the kid just said, God. Of course, the world has many answers to this question. We Christians are not the only one with an answer to the question of where does everything come from? 
Unfortunately, many are falling away from the Bible answer, not because of deep study, but because of some fancy meme that says Genesis can't be right because Adam and Eve got belly buttons. Some of that going to catch up with y'all later. Y'all know y'all be scrolling through Facebook, and some wise guy wants to say, I don't understand why Christians believe the Bible when Adam and Eve had belly buttons. And I'm like, who said that? And where that at in the Bible? But why does from matter? Why does from matter? Because from is going to tell us from where we get our value. From where we get our meaning, from where we come is from which we shall return. The word from means indicating the point in space at which a journey, motion, or action starts, or indicating the point in time at which a particular process, event, or activity starts. This is why your mom said, I brought you in this world, I'll Come on, somebody. I'll take you out this world. You know, mama didn't play. Mama said, I'll send you back from which you came if you keep messing with me. Yes. From matters. From makes everything matters. From will determine if black lives matter. From will determine if white lives matter. From will determine if women matter. From will determine if babies in the womb matter and the mothers who's given birth to those babies. From will determine if immigrants and refugees matter. If we get from wrong, we get everything else wrong. Now, there are many forms of arguments out there, but let's just go with the extreme end, which is atheism. The modern atheist story is that humans are the products of naturalistic evolutionary processes, common evolution, the formation of solar system over billions of years after some foundational event such as the Big Bang. The, somebody say, duh. Big Bang? Who started the Big Bang? Who hit the button? I, I want to know. Where did the bang come from? Followed by biological evolution, the gradual development of complex life forms from elementary life forms via natural variation and selections. If we came from nothing, we are nothing, and therefore, we can treat people, places, and things like nothing. Y'all not with me this morning? If we came from nothing, if you, if you came from nothing, then you ain't nothing. Now, some of y'all didn't cuss people out that way. You ain't nothing. Your mama ain't nothing, and you ain't going to never be nothing. Y'all just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me. But the argument is, is that if you came from nothing, you're, you, you, you ain't nothing. And the only logical conclusion is this. If you ain't nothing, I can treat you like nothing. Because if there's no God, there's no moral compass. And if there's no moral compass, there's no right. Or there's no wrong, and everybody get to do whatever they want to do. But I thank God that that's not the case, that Paul says that there's a starting point for every human being who has ever lived. Under whose sovereignty did slavery stop? Under the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. 
those slaves and even Martin Luther King, they stood on the word of God for an argument that every person should be treated right. You got to get from right. Friends, if life has no purpose, if life has no end, no goal, in isn't directed anywhere, well, little Jody shouldn't fought for his Alize. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just, I'm just joking. The Beatles should have stayed together. And your mama should have never hit you with that chocolate when you was little. No, but in all seriousness, if there is no God, let us eat, drink, and be married because tomorrow we die. I want you to feel the weight of the thought if there is no God. If God doesn't exist, if God isn't real, that depression would sweep through this room like no other. And if God was not real, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. The reality of there not being no God. But Paul is clear that God exists and everything else exists because of the absolute reality that God exists. And we know that everything came from God because the Bible is clear. There's two things that you can consider if you want to understand that everything came from God. Number one, death. Number two, Genesis. What do you think happens when you and I die? There's a couple things. I've been to a couple funerals lately. There's a couple things that happens when we die. First, we stop breathing. And secondly, we go back to that which we came from, which is God. What you think happened in the Gospel of John chapter 11? Y'all remember Jesus' homeboy, Lazarus. That was his boy. They kicked it real hard. Lazarus dies. Word gets to Jesus that Lazarus is dead. But Jesus walks up to the scene all smooth, calm, and collect. And he walks up to the tomb. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Okay, pause. What happened in that moment when Jesus walks up to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth? When Jesus called out for Lazarus, God the Father sent his spirit back to his body. What God doing with his spirit? Well, that's where the spirit came from. And so God sent that spirit right back into his body. That's why you ought to walk with Jesus because can't nobody else raise you from the dead. If you die, you're hopeless without Jesus. But I love the opening verses of the Bible. God said, let there be. Yeah, I didn't get excited. The opening verses of the Bible, God said, let there be. And when God spoke, things began to happen. Because God has the ability to make something out of nothing. That, you know, theologians call that ex nihilo power. That is, out of nothing power. That when God looked out, there was nothing. 
nothing. When God looked around, there was nothing. When God stepped out, there was nothing. But by the time God got done speaking, there was something. Because when God speaks, everything has to do exactly what he says. Isn't it funny that the Bible doesn't give an argument for God being, the Bible just assumes that he is. Genesis doesn't come out with an argument to argue that God exists. Instead, Genesis just said, God said, let there be. The Bible assumes that God is necessary because without God cannot anything else be. God is all powerful. I love it. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is walking. I love Jesus. Oftentimes, Jesus would be strolling through the streets, minding his own business, chilling. Jesus was a bad boy. Y'all got to read y'all Bibles a little bit more. Here he is. He's walking. He's minding his own business, probably eating a turkey sandwich. I don't know. Drinking some juice and chilling. And out of nowhere, there's two men on the side of the road. You can't pass these two men by because these two men are desperate and they're on the side of the road. Now, what you got to understand about these two men is these are two blind men. They're not just any kind of man, but they're two blind men. And Jesus hears them calling out. They say, son of David, have mercy on us. You missed it because society had considered them nothing. Society had pushed them to the side. And here it is, the son of God, creator of the universe, coming by. And they say, hey, this is my opportunity. And what do they cry out? Lord, have mercy. Some of y'all miss y'all shout. You got to learn to just cry out, God have mercy. Here it is. They're blind. They're forgotten. They're on the side of the road. But aren't you so glad that God doesn't forget the forgotten? That God cares about those on the side of the road. God cares about those who nobody else cares about. They said, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus didn't say that he was too busy. He parked his car. He walks up to those men, and he says, do you believe? And they say, absolutely, we do. And Jesus, in his great mercy, gave them sight. How did he do that? How did you give them sight? Because sight comes from Jesus. And because it comes from him, if it's impaired, he has the ability to fix it. And he parks and he fixes their sight. The Bible is clear in John chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You see, God is out of the made category because he made everything. I love when Jehovah Witnesses come to my doorstep and they begin to talk to me and they say, you know, the first thing they say, I say, I'm a Christian. They say, I'm a Christian too. Okay, well, let's talk then. I say, I believe that Jesus is God. Uh, 
there it is. This is where the argument comes in, and they say that Jesus is not God. Jesus is an angel. Come on, let's go over to the book of John. And you know they like to debate the first verse. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. But if you read in their Bible, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was a God. They want to they, they give you a, a little G. But I said, that's fine. Let's go on down to verse 3. And verse 3 reads that not in, nothing was made with out him. Everything that was made was made because of him. Well, that's real interesting, Jehovah Witness, because if you cannot be both the maker of everything and be made. That's a contradiction right there. And so if he's out of the made category, he must be in the eternal category. And if he's in the eternal category, he gotta be God. He can't be nobody else. He's got to be. He must be God. That's something you're going to want to tuck in your back pocket the next time you get that watchtower. <laughs> Jesus cannot be both the maker of everything and be made all things are from him. But Paul is not done. Paul says, this God is so awesome. He's so big. He's so profound. Not only does everything come from him, but everything is through him. Not only does everything proceed from him, but everything is through him. This almost blew me away, y'all. This is real good right here. Creation is like a baby. A baby comes from its mother and is dependent on its mother for continual existence. But unlike the baby... No one or nothing ever matures to the point that it doesn't need God. We got to understand this because Christian maturity is not being independent. Christian maturity is understanding that you are dependent on God. Mature Christians become more dependent on God instead of independent on God. We maintain our life through him. Here's the, this is what the book of Hebrews says. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The author does not see Christ working in sustaining creation as if he is here like Atlas holding up the world. You know, when we used to go into Foot Locker at, in Calumet City, there used to be a little Atlas God that was holding up the world. That is not what the author is saying. The author is not saying that God is just holding the world up. Instead, what he's saying is he's holding the world together and he's holding the world up by being active in the world. That God is not just sitting by and just holding on to the glow, but instead God is active in your life. God is active in your circumstance. God is active in your situation. That God is moving. He's not just standing by. I got to put it in a way that you can understand. Y'all remember uh, Big Mama, right? Everybody had a Big Mama in their family. Oh, I love Big Mama because the thing about Big Mama is that Big Mama kept the family together. Everybody used to go over Big Mama's house. I mean, Big Mama would make that the, 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 the uh, sweet potatoes where, 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 where the sugar would drip off of them. You get type 2 diabetes, just looking at them. They were real good, right? But here it is. Big Mama kept the family together. 
But the way that Big Mama kept the family together is not by sitting by watching. Big Mama was active in the grandkids' life. She's active in the kids' life. She's checking up on everybody. She's holding that thing together by being active in their life. And this is what the writer is saying. God is like the cosmic Big Mama that's keeping everything together. And without him, everything would fall apart. Paul says, through him, that friends, presently, God is holding you together. God is holding you together so much that if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit inside of you, you would wake up an unbeliever tomorrow. That if God was not actively working in your life, you would disintegrate back to the center that you are. That if God, come on, if God wasn't active in your life, you would be a mess right now. If God wasn't active in your life, you would be all jacked up right now. There are some people who haven't got cussed out lately because God is working in your life. Oh, y'all not going to talk to me this morning. There's... <laughs> There are some people you would have slapped a long time ago if God wasn't working in your life. He says that he, that, that is through him, that he's holding me together, that even when I want to walk away, he's holding me together. And he's holding my marriage together. And he's holding my mind together. And he's holding my financial situation together. Some of y'all know one dollar go wrong and the whole thing fall apart. And people wondering, how you still standing? Because through him. Peter had to get this. Lord, if everyone else fall away, I got your back. Because Peter was under the impression that his staying with God was because of his love for God and not God's love for him. And what we often forget is that the only reason we're staying with God is because God loved for us. And God turns around and said, Peter, I'm praying for you. Satan wants to shift you like we. Satan wants to get rid of you. Satan wants to mess you up. But I prayed for you that Satan wouldn't take you over. I'm so glad in 2019 that this church is still standing. And it's because we're standing through him. Salvation remains not because you became sophisticated. Your salvation does not remain because you became theologically astute. That's not why you're here this morning. You are here because of the grace of God working through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why we are here, and it's all over the Bible. This is not new, church. It's all over the Bible. Through him, through him, through him, through him, through him. Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through him. 
For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also I'm getting happy, y'all. Also our comfort in abundance through him. And many are trying to get around Jesus. They're trying to circumvent Jesus. But you can't get to God unless you go through him. There ain't no way around him. You got to go through him. Even if you don't like him, you got to go through him. There's some people at your job that you don't like, but you can't go around them because they got all authority. And in order for you to get what you want, some people you just got to go through. So even if you don't like Jesus, you ain't got no choice but to go through Jesus because ain't nobody getting into heaven unless they go through him, I need you to understand the sufficiency. I need you to understand the necessity. I need you to understand how important Jesus is. I need you to understand this. That Jesus is not some cute thing that we just say. He's not a name that we hook on at the end of our prayers. He's not something that we just sing about. He is the very essence of what's holding everything together right now. That if he didn't in this moment right now, if he decided to not, you would walk out of here an unbeliever. Through him. Get it. And feel the weight of it. Through him. Paul says, we're coming from him. We got to go through him. And Paul says, but I ain't done because we got to go to him. We got to come from him. Good God Almighty, we got to go through him. And Paul says, we got to go to him. What is the ultimate purpose of everything to him? Let me put it plain. God is the goal of all things. God is the reason and the purpose for everything. Paul ends his whole doctrinal deep dive from Romans 1 through 11 with this summary statement. And what is the ultimate purpose of everything? Where is it all going? To him are all things. To him be the glory these are essentially parallel statements. All things to him and all glory to him is the answer to our question, little Mitchell. What is the purpose of the universe, little Mitchell? Him. What is the purpose of my life, little Mitchell? Him. What is the purpose of history? Him, 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 to him be the glory of all of life, past, present, and future. Was a bow and arrow the bull's eye would be to him be glory forever. The bullseye of life, little Mitchell, is the glory of God. It's not eating donuts and playing video games. It's not finding cures for illness, although that's a good thing. It's not living the American dream. It's not adding square foot to your house. It's just not becoming this self-sustaining, uh, independent individual. It's not wasting your life on retirement. It's not making your children be all that they can be, although that is a good thing. All that is alive from the pits of hell. We were made and everything around us was made for God. 
In simple terms, glory means to give a proper opinion or assessment of something, and thus the glory of God is the full expression of his being, nature, character, power, and act. He is glorified when we allow him to be seen in us. My life right now, 1230, 2019, my purpose is to give glory to God from this stage. That every pastor in America that takes up the pulpit, his main aim should be is to point you to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, we're all disappointments. But Jesus is not. He is the purpose. When people evaluate your life, let me ask you, do they get an accurate account of God? When people assess your life, can they walk away with a logical conclusion that God is important? When people enter into this church, can people walk away and say God matters in that place? Not only does he matter, he's the most important being in the world. What is our purpose? We go back to Genesis. In the image of God, he created male and female. What's God saying? He created a bunch of mirrors to reflect him. There's 7 billion people on this planet. God created 7 billion mirrors to reflect him. Now, if you had 7 billion mirrors in your house, people would think you are arrogant. God is the only being in the universe that gets to prop himself up as the most ultimate. Y'all remember the movie Snow White? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? That's what the queen said. And one day she came to the mirror on the wall and she said, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror came back and told her, you're not the fairest of them all. Snow White is the fairest of them all. You miss your shout. People ought to be able to walk up to you and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And your life ought to shout back and say that God is the fairest of them all. For from him and to him and through him are all things mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the strongest of them all? You ought to say Yahweh is the strongest of them all. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who can save us all? You ought to say Jesus, Jesus alone can save us. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the kindest of them all? Jesus. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the most gracious of them all? Let me tell you about my God. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the most powerful of them all? Jesus. Ah, we ought to in 2020 help people get 2020. They ought to get 2020 vision looking at you. They ought to get clarity about life. They ought to get certainty about life looking at you. And it doesn't matter your circumstance. It doesn't matter your situation. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with. All you got to do is reflect Jesus. You ain't got to make him great. He's already. He's already great. Here it is. The queen got mad 
at the mirror. Because the mirror didn't reflect back what she wanted to see. Friends, I came to tell you that it may sound cute, saying mirror, mirror on the wall, whose affair is on them all, Jesus. But I came to tell you that you're going to lose some friends saying stuff like that. You may not be the most liked after that. You may not be everybody's favorite after that. You may get some people dump you after that. And I know there's a lot of preaching going on around here that tells you that 2020 is going to be your year. Oh, yes, God's going to bless you real good. All your problems going to go away. You're never going to get sick. Your marriage is going to be in perfect peace. I didn't come to tell you that. But what I did came to tell you is don't matter what you go through, he got you. No matter what's happening in your life, that he got you. And you don't need no health, wealth, prosperity gospel to tell you that because the cross testifies enough that he has you. And as long as God is with you, you're going to be all right. Somebody just said not too long ago that with Jesus, let me talk about marriage, that with Jesus, any marriage can survive. It's not saying that you won't never go through anything. It's not saying that you won't struggle in 2020. I don't know what 2020 has in store for you. I do know that your motivation has got to be God at the bottom of all that you do. And that if you follow him, no matter what it looks like, you can never go wrong following the Lord of the universe. And so many people are so frustrated because they don't get this simple phrase, for from him, through him, and to him are all things. Church, can we make 2020 about God? Heck, can we make today about God? Can we make 2019 about God? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? God, forgive us in ways that we have not reflected you in ways that we have not valued you, and in ways that we have put things in the center of it all. But today, God, we repent of our sins, and we ask that you will forgive us, and that you would help us to be mirrors that reflect you and you alone. We want nothing else to show up in this mirror but you. And would you not leave us callous? And would you not leave us gloomy? And would you not leave us in the pit of our own sin? But I'm praying for grace in 2020 that Bethel Church Gary would be mirror mirrors on the wall that's telling the truth to every boy and every girl and every person and every mother and every situation. God, would you use us for your glory? That's our prayer, God. Make us like you.